The following program has been paid for by the Apostolic Faith Church. From the heart of the Pacific, in Honolulu, Hawaii. Apostolic Faith Church presents the Kingdom of God Crusade. Join us now for another hour of worship with Pastor Han, the church choir, and the band. We hope and pray that you'll find this next hour a blessing. Hi, and praise the Lord, everyone. I'm Head Pastor Billy Hahn Jr. and I'd like to thank you for joining us today. We welcome you to the Kingdom of God Crusade telecast being brought to you every Sunday morning, not only here in Hawaii from 8 to 9 a.m., but also parts of California from 6 to 7 a.m. on station XDTV, channel 13 in San Diego, from 6 to 7 a.m. on station KPSC, channel 13 in Palm Springs, from 7 to 8 a.m. on station KVTV Channel 8 and Comcast Channel 230 in Sacramento, including Chico and Fresno. From 6 to 7 a.m. on station KVVU-TV Channel 28 in Eureka. From 7 to 8 a.m. on station KVME Channel 20 in Los Angeles, San Bernardino. From 8 to 9 a.m. on station KOTR-TV Channel 11 in Monterey. From 6 to 7 a.m. on station KECY, Channel 9 in El Central California and Yuma, Arizona. From 6 to 7 a.m. on station KLSR, Channel 34 in Eugene, Oregon. From 5 to 6 a.m. on station KZJO, Channel 22 in Seattle, Washington. From 6 to 7 a.m. on station KUCW, Channel 30 of Ogden, Salt Lake City, Utah, and parts of Nevada and Wyoming. From 11 to 12 midnight on station KGBY-TV, Channel 20, Grand Junction, Colorado. And from 7 to 8 a.m. on Time Warner Cable Channel 503 in New York City. If you'd like more information on our church and view our Kingdom of God Crusade telecast in its entirety, be sure to visit our website at JesusComingSoon.org. The Apostolic Faith Church is located at 1043 Middle Street, the headquarters of the Gospel of the Kingdom of God for the whole world, with a sign on the roof of the temple, Jesus coming soon. A landmark in Kalihi for over 95 years, and our prayer tower, the first of its kind in Hawaii, used exclusively for prayer. The church was founded by the late Charles and Ada B. Lockbaum on August the 4th, 1923, and passed on to our late chief pastor, William M. Hansen, in 1959, who continued the gospel work to its fullness. We hope and pray that this telecast will draw you closer to our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, and be a real blessing to you, our television audience, saints wherever you are, and the shut-ins, that is those of you in the hospitals and confidence and homes. And should you need prayer or someone to pray over you, please don't hesitate to call the phone number designated at the conclusion of the telecast. Today, we are celebrating President's Day, a holiday that recognizes all of the U.S. presidents, past and present. It is one of our daily prayers that the leaders of our nation and these islands live in the fear of God and not man. 
in our walk with our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. We can rejoice and thank Him for being our spiritual leader who has provided a way of salvation for our souls and set us free from the sins of this world. Church Choir will begin our music program with a song entitled, In My Heart. They are led by choir director Emilia Hahn, accompanied by Iris Locke on piano and Pohaku Carter on the organ.
Up next is the church band to play a rendition of I Belong to the King. Today's vocalist is Associate Pastor Timothy Hahn Sr., who will sing the spirited number entitled, I'll Fly Away. He's accompanied by Christy Hahn on the piano, 
Associate Pastor Marvin on being on the bass, Trusty Associate Pastor Evans Broad Sr. and Mason Asano Sr. on the guitars, and Iris Locke on the drums. Some glad morning when this life is o'er, I'll fly away to a home on God's celestial shore. I'll fly away. I'll fly away, oh glory. I'll fly away. When I die, hallelujah, by and by, oh. a few more weary days and then I'll fly away to a land where joy shall never end. I'll fly away. I'll fly away, oh glory. I'll fly away. When I die, hallelujah, by and by, Oh, I'll fly away Some glad morning When this life is o'er I'll fly away To a home on God's celestial shore I'll fly away I'll fly away, oh glory I'll fly away Hallelujah, by and by, oh, I'll fly away. I'll fly away, oh, glory, I'll fly away. When I die, hallelujah, by and by, oh, I'll fly away. When I die, hallelujah, by and by, oh, I'll The church choir will bring forth their second number for today entitled, This Love is Mine. God's love is all-encompassing and transcends all other love. It is truly a blessing to have His love in our hearts and minds. Please join in and sing along with our choir following the words on your screen. Yes. 
And now we have an auto-hop solo by Punahele Kapuni, who will play for us a rendition of No Not One. Saints in Harmony is our group vocalist today. They will sing the song entitled, God of Our Fathers. This number is dedicated to Mr. and Mrs. Billy and Sally Spotcalf. Thank you, Billy and Sally, for all that you do for the gospel work and for your faithfulness to the Lord. May you continue to lead, guide, and strengthen you both in all that you do, and may the joy of the Lord be upon your hearts. Have a wonderful and blessed day. in the past in 
Greetings in the sweet name of Jesus. I'm Associate Pastor Jose Zandok. I'd like to repeat our television time, stations, and locations in a kindly ask for a viewing audience, especially if any of you plan to visit or reside in California. This telecast cannot be viewed every Sunday morning from 6 to 7 a.m. on station XDTV, channel 13 in San Diego. From 6 to 7 a.m. on station KPSE, channel 13 in Palm Springs. From 7 to 8 a.m. on station KBTV, channel 8, and Comcast Channel 238 in Sacramento, including Chico and Fresno. From 6 to 7 a.m. on station KBVU-TV, Channel 28 in Eureka. From 7 to 8 a.m. on station KVME, Channel 20 in Los Angeles, San Bernardino. From 8 to 9 a.m. on station KOTO-TV, Channel 11 in Monterey. From 6 to 7 a.m. on station KCY, Channel 9 in Los Angeles, California, and Yuma in Arizona. From 6 to 7 a.m. on station KLSR, Channel 34 in Eugene, Oregon. From 5 to 6 a.m. on station KZGO, channel 22 in Seattle, Washington. From 6 to 7 a.m. on station KUCW, channel 30 of Ogden, Salt Lake City, Utah, and parts of Nevada and Wyoming. From 11 to 12 midnight on station KZBY TV, channel 20 in Grand Junction, Colorado. And from 7 to 8 a.m. on Time Manor Cable, channel 503 in New York City. If you'd like to know more about our gospel work and through our Kingdom of God Crusade telecast in its entirety, Please visit our website at JesusComingSoon.org. And now concerning our schedule of gospel services here in the home city of Hawaii, services are held at Temple every Tuesday and Friday at 7 p.m. On Sunday, gospel services at 10 a.m. and divine healing services at 7 p.m. Sunday school for all ages begins at 9 a.m. and prayer services are held daily in the prayer tunnel at 2 p.m. except on Fridays at 10 a.m. And our community bench church located at 1361 Polo Avenue God health services are held on Sundays and Wednesdays at 7 p.m. The same schedule is observed by neighborhood branch churches as also conducted by Pastor Resolute Casanara Senior in Kanaka and Mokai, by Pastor Kenneth and Vera in Lahainamari, by Pastor Walter Lane in Noe, Hilo, Hawaii, by Pastor Leonard Kawana Sana Senior in Kolo, Hawaii, by Pastor Hanabe Sarah in Boroko, and by Pastor Sarah in Boroko, the Philippines. You are welcome to attend these services regarding church affiliations. There are no collections. If you desire to volunteer, contribute to solve this telecast and the Lord's work, you may do so by setting your donations areas designated conclusion telecast. And I'd like to return our program back to Head Pastor Billy Jr., who will bring forward his spirit directed and spirit inspired Pastor Billy. 
Thank you, Jose. Today, Telecast viewers, I have an urgent plea for you. I simply want to say it's time to come out of the world. This is no time to be compromising with sin. These are such perilous times in which we live with violence and aggression in our so-called own backyards. And such sordid events occurring as drive-by shootings in residential areas and public parks resulting in deaths and injuries, as well as fatal and horrendous terroristic bombing threats. Our only recourse is to depend on Jesus to make all crooked paths straight and to protect us with his precious blood and name. Thus, I invite you to partake of today's TV sermon entitled, Jesus, Our Leader. Tomorrow, we'll be, we will celebrate President's Day, a holiday observed to recognize all the presidents who were ever elected to reside over this great country we call America. According to God's word, it is our duty to obey the laws of the land, to honor the leaders of this nation as well as the leaders of these islands, and to pray that they rule in the fear of God and not man. And now, television viewers, let me direct you to 2 Samuel, chapter 23, verses 1 to 3, as we read, Now these be the last words of David. David, the son of Jesse, said, And the man who was raised up on high, the anointed of the God of Jacob, and the sweet psalmist of Israel said, The Spirit of the Lord spake by me, and his word was in my tongue. The God of Israel said, The rock of Israel spake to me, He that ruleth over men must be just, ruling in the fear of God. And that is exactly what King David did. And in turn, we should respect those that rule over us. As in Hebrews 13, 17, Obey them that have the rule over you, and submit yourselves, for they watch for your souls as they that must give account, that they may do with joy and not with grief, for that is unprofitable for you. Our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ is the chief executive officer of his church, and he makes decisions that are always in the best interests of the gospel work. He has jurisdiction over the entire body of Christ, which is comprised of many members, and of many races. Each member of this body has a specific responsibility that is, is essential to the success of the ministry. Though some positions appear to be more visible than others, the fact remains every person who fills a position in the gospel has been appointed by the Lord. Each person is appreciated by the Lord because of his or her unprecedented commitment to the righteousness of God. Having then been appointed, each one is expected to carry out his or her responsibilities to the fullest extent and to the best of his or her ability. Let us read in Psalm 75, 67, For promotion cometh neither from the east, nor from the west, nor from the south, but God is the judge. He putteth down one and setteth up another. Does God require us to submit a resume to participate in the gospel work as if we were applying for a job? 
Do the pastors and associate pastors apply for a preaching post? Does the church require Sunday school teachers to be licensed by the Department of Education? The answer is no to these questions. The Lord Jesus must be satisfied with one's past performance to acquire a calling in his world. Let us read in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 17 and 18. But he that glorieth, let him glory in the Lord. For not he that commendeth himself is approved, but whom the Lord commendeth. Contemplate this thought. David was chosen of the Lord because he was viewed by the Lord as a man after mine own heart who shall fulfill all my will. That description of David is scriptural and is found in Acts 13.22. The degree of devotion was admired and respected by the Lord Jesus. Accordingly and previously promised, out of the loins of David's line of descendants would come the Savior, Jesus Christ. Paul instructs young Timothy of the nature involving promotions. Let us read in 1 Timothy 3, 5-6, For if a man knoweth not how to rule his own house, how shall he take care of the church of God? Not a novice, lest being lifted up with pride, he fall into the condemnation of the devil. In the Lord, the stature and wealth of an individual is not considered, and neither is an appointment predetermined through ancestral descent. Earthly kingdoms exercise hierarchies and monarchies, and Israel is no exception. However, when it comes to the Lord's work, familiarity, favoritism, nepotism, and partiality has no place in the process. God prepares and chooses the candidates and their works to follow them. They are of a good report in and out of the house of the Lord. Thus the Lord is confident that this individual has a heart for the Lord and shall without faltering fulfill the will of the Lord. That is what moves the Lord, that a man can be found upon the earth to carry out his work without blemish. Let us read in 1 Timothy 5, 21, 22. I charge thee before God and the Lord Jesus Christ and the elect angels that thou observe these things without preferring one before another, doing nothing by partiality. Lay hands suddenly on no man, neither be partaker of other men's sins. Keep thyself pure. Here we are instructed to avoid hasty decisions which will hinder the work of the Lord. When it is in our power to make a decision, it should be made with the fear of the Lord. This is what it means to lay hands suddenly on no man. Informed decisions are made because all the facts are made available and considered. Employing a conscientious spirit embraces the standards and promises of God, ensuring the right decision. Finally, the Lord must sanction the choice. He confirms it with signs following through the power of the Holy Ghost, the Word of God, and through dreams and visions. This morning, TV viewers, you are faced with the important decision regarding the saving of your soul. Let us read in 1 Timothy 2, 4 to 5. Who will have all men to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth, for there is one God, one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus. The born-again Christian has the birthright to inherit the kingdom of God and eternal life. The birthright to the kingdom of God becomes ours when we keep his commandments. We have become citizens of a country whose builder and maker is God through faith in Jesus. Jesus said in John 3, 5, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. 
And in the seventh verse, it reads, Marvel not that I said unto thee, ye must be born again. Today, many are haughty, full of pride, and would not come down from the pinnacles of the world to accept Jesus Christ as their personal Savior. Keeping the law, going to church, being religious, and following a religious creed to the very letter will not save you. Your spouse and minister or your church cannot reserve a place in heaven for you, let alone your, for yourselves. But through Jesus, who gave his life as the price for all sin, absolves all the sins of mankind, making the salvation of the soul easily attainable through faith in Jesus. However, faith remains unfruitful if not accompanied with works. Thus, viewers, water baptism is a work that must accompany your faith. Let us read in Acts 2.38, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of sins, and he shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. The question frequently asked is, why must I be born again? It's simple, because Jesus said so. That ought to settle it. And to attempt to explain it any other way would be erroneous and superficial. There should be no reason for argument. When he who is mighty God, the mighty God says, you must be born again. After all, if anyone should know about the failure of man, it would be the almighty God. The sinful nature that separates men from God is inherited. In other words, we are all sinners. No preference or special treatment is given to the Jews or Gentiles. God has concluded that all are under sin. How do we inherit this sinful nature? We have inherited this sinful nature from our first father, Adam, who fell from grace through disobedience. When Adam and Eve ate of the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, they disobeyed the express will of God. Paul makes this point clear, for all have sinned and have come short of the glory of the Lord, and there is none righteous, no, not one. God tells us that the heart of man is desperately wicked and deceived above all things. In God's eyes, mankind is sinful and worthy of extinction, and he repented him that he created man. Thus, how does being born again make the wrongs right? In the Lord TV views, the wrongs are never made right because the Lord does not accept you as you are. He requires a change, and that change is achieved through repentance. Through repentance, sin is acknowledged, and wrongs are forgiven and washed away. In turn, Jesus requires every born-again Christian to go and sin no more. Being born of water and of the Spirit, a person is given another chance to live his new lease on life that praises and glorifies God. Baptism means to dip, plunge, or immerse in water versus sprinkling or pouring of water. Water baptism is essential to salvation. Jesus tells us in Mark 16, 16, He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved, but that he that believeth not shall be damned. The choice is yours, TV viewers. You must choose whom you will serve. The choices are clear. It's either God or the devil. Everlasting life versus eternal damnation. And suffering good or evil and blessings or curses. Chooses this day whom you will serve, God or the devil. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Do you want the spirits to speak in an unknown tongue? Despite controversy in the Christian realm, the speaking in an unknown tongue is the only Bible evidence of one being filled with the Holy Ghost. Some have challenged the fact of the existence and necessity of the speaking in an unknown tongue. Others have concluded that it is the ability to speak in another language. The key phrase in the reaching the correct interpretation is unknown tongue. Plainly put, it is the language of God and of the kingdom of God. There is no written example in the Bible where the unknown tongue is written out. Written out as if one could refer to it as a written text. 
the speaking in the unknown tongue, far exceeds speaking in Spanish, Chinese, or French, or any other of the world's languages. However, what is documented in the Bible is the Pentecostal experience and power of the Holy Ghost that followed. Believers have been filled with the Holy Spirit since the day the Spirit of God manifested itself to 120 in the upper chamber on the day of Pentecost. You ask, can I learn the unknown tongue? The answer is an emphatic no. The purpose of tongues should not be misconstrued to mean believers will be using the unknown tongue for the purpose of communication. Tongues are a manifestation of God for the purpose of proving to the world and to the body of Christ his sovereignty and his priority to mankind. On the day of Pentecost, the Lord Jesus Christ manifested the rod of his power. He also simultaneously blessed 120 with the gifts of interpretation, which is one of the many spiritual gifts of the Holy Ghost. Doing so, the wonderful works of God were revealed to the multitudes residing in Jerusalem. That phenomena was accomplished in numerous native tongues of the land. However, this could not have come about if the 120 had not been initially filled with the Holy Spirit. Let us read from Ephesians 4.30, And grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby ye are sealed unto the day of redemption. The body is the temple of God. And when perfected spiritually, it becomes the habitation of God through the Spirit. Believers receive the Holy Ghost because they believe and respond to the Scriptures. Jesus said, If you believe, as the Scriptures say, out of your belly shall flow rivers of living water. How did the disciples know they had received the Holy Ghost? When John the Baptist described Jesus as the Messiah, he said, I indeed baptize you with water unto repentance, but he that cometh after me is mightier than I, whose shoes I am not worthy to bear. He shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire. Here, John spoke of the difference between himself and Jesus. The purpose of their ministries was quite different. John speaks of the indwelling Holy Spirit, that he was a recipient of while still in his mother's womb. The promise of the Spirit would come at Pentecost. Accordingly, when the disciples witnessed the ascension, they not only observed Jesus ascending into heaven with arms outstretched, but they also heard an unfamiliar language flowing from his mouth. Prior to that, the disciples were instructed to return to Jerusalem and tarried, that is to pray for the Holy Spirit until they were endued with power from on high. As they tarried in the upper chamber, the city of Jerusalem was preparing for the festivities of the Feast of Pentecost. It is not a coincidence that the Holy Spirit fell upon the 120 on the day of Pentecost. It was in God's plan that it should be as such. When the Spirit of God came upon them, they witnessed cloven tongues of fire that rested upon each of them, as well as the powerful presence of God, an event they had never experienced. Let us read in Acts 2, 1 to 4. And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place, and suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled all the house where they were sitting. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as of fire, and it sat upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. This was an experience the city of Jerusalem never encountered. The populace of Jerusalem noted the happening above them in the simple confines of the upper chamber. They stood in awe and bewilderment. The joyful sound that stirred the city was overwhelming and the presence of God consumed them. They marveled at the experience as they heard in their native tongues the wonderful works of God. In response to the phenomenon, 
They asked Peter and the rest of the apostles what they must do to be saved. Let us turn to Acts 4.12. Neither is there salvation in any other, for there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. Paul tells us there, there is but one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is above and through all and in you all. If Jesus tells us that there is only one way to enter into the kingdom of God, that means he will not recognize any other. He forewarns us of those whose intent is to pervert the gospel. We are forewarned that though an angel from heaven preach any other gospel, let him be accursed. Paul did not stop there, but censured himself as well. He would never change the plan of salvation that has been sanctioned by God. He further professed, I pray you will come to the understanding that in Jesus Christ and through his name alone is life and immortality. Let us read in 2 Chronicles 13, 8-10. And now we think to withstand the kingdom of the Lord in the hand of the sons of David. And he be a great multitude, and there are with you golden calves, which Jeroboam made you for gods. Have you not cast out the priests of the Lord, the sons of Aaron and the Levites, and have made you priests after the manner of the nations of other lands? So that whosoever cometh to consecrate himself with a young bullock and seven rams, the same may be a priest of them that are no gods. But as for us, the Lord is our God, and we have not forsaken him. And the priests which minister unto the Lord are the sons of Aaron and the Levites, wait upon their business. History tells us how the kings of Israel and Judah failed spiritually. Kingdoms were lost because they were disobedient to God, because their success was conditional. If they were obedient to the Lord, they would be blessed immensely as was to Solomon. However, in his reign, Solomon fell to unbelief, and his son was deprived of having the entire kingdom. The passage we read previously bears a significant point. It is very crucial that whosoever puts his efforts to the gospel is living a life acceptable to God. The sin of Jeroboam was that he used people who were not called of the Lord. The sanctity of worship was tarnished when he used people who were not called to be priests. Though they all were offered the sacrifice of bullocks and rams, it was only a mechanical means of compliance. Jeroboam's worldliness promoted people who were ungodly. Though these fulfilled the letter, their hearts were not set to fulfill the will of God. Thus, in the eyes of God, it became sin. The scripture points out that factions can exist in his church. There are some who seek opportunity to change things because they, in essence, despise the righteousness of the Lord. On the other hand, there are those who will defend the righteousness of the Lord and will defend it with their lives if need be. In God's work, righteousness will always prevail. Let us read of another example concerning promotions. This concerns the sons of Zebedee, namely James and John. Having been encouraged by their mother and desired to ascend to the ranks of power, they laid before the Lord a very selfish request. Both James and John desired to sit on each side of the throne of glory. To achieve their request, they conspired with one another and sought to challenge the credibility of Jesus. Jesus perceived that his thoughts were covetous and greedy in nature and was prepared to confront them. Let us read in Mark 10, 35-41. And James and John, the sons of Zebedee, came unto him, saying, Master, we would that thou shouldest do for us whatsoever we shall desire. And he said unto them, What would ye that I should do for you? They said unto him, Grant unto us that we may sit one on the right, right hand and the other on the left hand in thy glory. But Jesus said unto them, Ye know not what he asked. Can ye drink of the cup that I drink of and be baptized with the baptism that I am baptized with? And they said unto him, We can. And Jesus said unto them, Ye shall indeed drink of the cup that I drink of and with the baptism that I am baptized with all shall be baptized. But to sit on my right hand and on my left is not mine to give, but it shall be given to them that for whom it is prepared. And when the ten heard it, they began to be much displeased with James and John. Servanthood begins in the hearts. 
Pastors are not only made of, motivated by kindness, but having a great desire to see souls come to Jesus Christ. As we love God, it's not difficult to love others as well. In fact, our love for God makes it easier to love others, even those who are not lovable, even enemies of the gospel and those that disagree with us. Solomon in his wisdom said, before honor is humility. Obviously, this is what James and John lacked at the moment. Many people have a false idea of humility. Humility is not groveling and debasing oneself, nor is it false modesty. Humility is having the proper estimate of oneself. A humble person may have great ability. However, he must not be arrogant and flaunt that ability to others. A humble person will serve others, not for what he can receive from them, but what he can do for them, and often without recognition. This is what serving the Lord is all about, giving. In any organization, there are always some who want to be in positions of authority and leadership. They are engrossed and driven with the desire to be recognized. They resort to anything so as to assure their success. These do not want to serve, but rather desire to exercise authority over others by having positions of preeminence. They may have already respected positions in the church. However, they are presumptuous and desire to be at the uttermost top. These say to themselves, we can perform the duties of the position and can do a better job than the person they are now. However, they have failed in many ways. First, there is a root of bitterness, which is a cause for confusion and derision. Envy and jealousy are not fruits of the Spirit. They are tools of the devil. A teachable and cooperative spirit is what is required to serve the Lord. The request made by James, John, and their mother was certainly out of order, especially for them who have been with Jesus for quite some time. It shows how our human nature, if not held in temperance, will not subject itself to the new life in Christ. These failed to see that Jesus' kingdom was not of the earth, but in heaven. They assumed it to be likened to Rome and other kingdoms of the earth. In their eyes, some would occupy insignificant positions while others would be close to the king. It was the highest positions that the mother of James and John covetously desired for her two sons. There would be no higher position than sitting on the right and left hand of the king. Jesus' reply was simply, ye know not what ye ask. Positions such as this shall be given to them for whom it is prepared. The lesson Jesus taught his disciples was that the greater blessing was to have a heart to serve than to be served. There can be no greater blessing than that. Respect, honor, and love would have to be earned and not given to them on a silver platter. On this accord, Jesus admonished his disciples. He deserved how the desire for greatness was infectious, even amongst his very own. Jealousy and covetousness were sources that would dismantle the church. Jesus immediately diffused the tension between his disciples as we continue reading in verses 42 to 45. But Jesus called them to him and said unto them, Ye know not that ye know that which are accounted to rule over the Gentiles, exercise lordship over them, and their great ones exercise authority upon them, but so shall it not be among you. But whosoever will be great among you shall be your minister, and whosoever of you will be the chiefest shall be servant of all. For even the Son of Man came not to be ministered unto, but to minister, and to give his life a ransom for many. The principles of the world are totally opposite those of the Lord. They cannot be used to govern the Lord's church because the Lord's true church is spirit-directed. To allow worldly practice to oversee the gospel will only bring about a church that is blemished and tainted with the sins of the world. It is understood in government and business that the higher the position, the greater the authority. This includes a right to dominate those in lesser positions and to demand the respect of those that the one's authority. Though it may be an approved practice for some, it is not God's way of doing things. Jesus was the prime example for all spiritual leaders and pastors to follow. 
He came to serve and not to be served. To the extent he gave up his life so as to save others. Paul tells us that it is a good thing to desire the office of a bishop. However, let that desire be of the purest nature. Now, if you'd like to know more about God's Word, the church, and review the telecast presentation in its entirety, please visit our website at JesusComingSoon.org. Until our next telecast, this is your host, Pastor Billy Hunter, expressing my sincerest appreciation to each of you who have allowed us to come into your homes. May the good Lord bless and keep you all in the hollow of His hands. Our church band will close this wonderful program with an anthem entitled, Come and Dine. Thank you.
preceding program was paid for by the Apostolic Faith Church.